0: Greetings, this is Jason Hill, and this is the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio, 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM in Chicago.
1: Hey, everyone, it's Mike Sherrick, Jason Hill, this is Into the Gap. Good morning. How are you doing, Jason? Hey, right. I'm
0: doing well. Good morning, everybody. You look good. relaxed there in
1: Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm in Wisconsin. It's a little stormy. It's cloudy. It's hot. Uh, looks like it's going to poor rain mm-hmm. on the shores of lake winnebago right i'm so envious can, are you are you close to the lake where you can take a swim uh, i don't swim in the lake you know we you don't I, oh. I was uh no nah, it's kind of brown oh okay uh, but yeah i was on the on the dock yesterday so yeah we're at least good. you're close to water so. yeah you know, i'm i can throw a stone in the water right now yeah so. yeah how you doing man you know me
0: hypomanic and energetic doing juggling five things at a time writing three. writing reading yeah. four three books a week and just yeah ha- blessed and happy to be alive
1: less than, more than blessed. happy to be a, blessed and happy to be alive yeah and you were on fox last night, you said huh
0: was talking about crime mm-hmm. in chicago yeah just just stating the facts and mm-hmm. and, and just really saying that um, you know i'd written about this 2 years ago i wrote about it two years before that about um, busting up the gangs and, and and talking about really the good people on the South side of Chicago that, that as a professor, I've seen where I've started a mentorship program on the South side. Mm -hmm. I mentor kids on the South side of Chicago and how a lot of the attrition rate of black kids on the South side of Chicago um, at DePaul is due to them not being able to cross um, gang lines, gang, Gang oh, turf, really? turf lines, yes. Yeah. So they drop out, and this breaks my heart. I, you know, I, I just talk in a non-partisan way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's dereliction of duty on the part of the governance structure in 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 Chicago, and that mm-hmm. precedes Lori Lightfoot. That has gone yeah. on for decades. Yeah. Um, where um, these we know where these gangs are. It's not like it's Osama bin Laden or. Right. Um, hiding in a, in a hole somewhere in a mountainside yeah. uh, and we can, we can, we can do something. They're, they're making, I talked about how they're making communities obsolete mm-hmm. uh, because they're good people. The majority of people on the South side are good yeah. citizens who want to take care of their children and want to build communities. And they can't for many reasons because these gangs are, are obstructing the efforts of mothers who just want to send their kids to school. And so it was, it was, it was a very short interview, but I got a
1: lot packed in. Yeah, wh- what you, I got, uh, what's at the source of this? What's 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 feeding this gang gang structure? Because there's been in, gangs in Chicago since I was a kid, especially on the South Side, you know. Right.
0: Well, there's that's it's it's a long, complicated story. I mean, a lot of it has to do, of course, with you know. Um, I'm not a social constructionist, sure, wholeheartedly, but I I mean, look before. I don't buy into the whole idea that it's just single. I'm not a Mm monocausal reductionist that says that I can just say it's poverty because Mm -hmm. um, prior to 1960 where the poverty rates and the literacy rates were higher, the poverty rates were were Blacks endured extreme poverty. Mm -hmm. uh, These kinds of malfeasance, this kind of malfeasance was significantly lower. But it's, you know, the break, I mean, here I'm going to sound like what I am—an independent conservative. I mean, the breakup of the family. Many of these yeah. gang members come from fatherless homes, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, um, looking at it, twenty years ago when I first came here, and I had police officers as friends, um, mm-hmm. quite a few actually, um, just happened that way, and. They, and I, cause I spent, you spent a lot of time at the university of Chicago because I was yeah. part of a, a law school program there. And I would, I was starting a mentorship program with black males there. Mm-hmm. And I was, when I used to talk to police officers, they would say, you know, we have a different kind of relationship. We are not combative in these neighborhoods. There's mm-hmm. a, there's some semblance of trust Yeah. that mic has broken down. Yeah. Um, so, there was a, was a kind of when the police would present themselves in those neighborhoods, they were welcomed. They were not seen as there was not an adversarial relationship. There mm-hmm. was a, there was one built on the premise that the police are here to protect us. The police are here to, um, take care of us. That has broken down. Yeah. And I think the governance structures in Chicago, <clears throat> the political actors I'll call them. Yeah. Um, could do a better job i think by police officers are overworked right they're underpaid right um and the kind of neighborhood alliances between cops and these neighborhoods just don't exist the infrastructures are not there yeah and the second thing i will say is that look i'm going to use really strong language here Mm -hmm. in the absence of strong law enforcement Mm -hmm. in any in I, in Jamaica, one of the, where I come from, one of the most um, violent countries, mm-hmm. I work for my mother. She lives in a very middle-class, gated community with security cameras and mm-hmm. armed guards, but she steps out, and I worry for her safety. Yeah. In any country, in any community where you've got sociopathic, feral creatures mm-hmm. running amok in the absence of law enforcement, these... These impulses are going to be unleashed. Yeah, yeah. Right. In any sort of community at all, whether it's whether it's um, you know we saw it happening under Slobodan Milosevic, where Serbians uh, were attacking um, ethnic Albanians Mm -hmm. because the law was not being applied. So yeah. it's not just like a black thing. You can ostensibly no, point... No, no. <laughs> you can ostensibly point to any any community where the law is not being uniformly applied. People with sociopathic tendencies are going to unleash their impulses. And I think the same thing is happening here. The majority of people in, in, on the South Side are good people. Yeah. And that's a point mm-hmm. I wanted to make. They're good people who are being held hostage by these mm-hmm. gangbangers.
1: Yeah, it, you know, Jay, so much... Would, I love the idea, or I love what you pointed to about it not being like a monolithic cause. One of the things I've seen with this whole year, with the the uh, the constant political battling, the challenge of COVID, uh, the racial unrest, the the economic problems we're dealing with now, there's there's just not one thing that's coming apart. It's mm-hmm. it's this absence of. A cohesive structure in which we're operating under, you know what? And what I think it is is we had a a, a relationship to a constitution where we had a country in a in a society that was based on a constitution, and it seems like uh, over a period of time, it just didn't happen in the last three years or the last ten years. But over a period of time, we've become less reliant on following, like as you were saying, the rule of law or the constitution, and it's become more about social ideas or social whims you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so what's happened is we've put stress on a system and haven't looked to reinforce it and, and I think that's where we're at right now is we've got this situation where the, the rules no longer apply or the old rules aren't being used and we haven't replaced it mm-hmm. and so we've got this chaos and and when there's chaos and there's an absence of leadership people get afraid and people get afraid they revert to survival tactics Mm -hmm. which is really the most like the i love the word you use often is feral Mm -hmm. you know it reverts to the most feral of behavior Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and that's what we got going on and and i think with the, the thing that i'm hearing from you is the real tragedy are these good kids and good people on the south side yes that don't have access to the very thing they need to create the thing they want Right, and what I'm thinking of—that is the quote-unquote structural racism that people are talking about. Would it not be, yeah, like the very structure so that they have access to things isn't there because of the breakdown in the societal agreements, mm-hmm. the social
0: contracts.
1: social yeah. contracts. Yeah, and and that's the part that—that's the thing that we got to get to go together on, and because it, it's not like this group hates this group or this group doesn't want this group or this group's crying trying to hold this one down it's that we ceased applying maintenance to the system to make it work right you know and for whatever reason is it be it political or 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 social I I don't know what the reasons are I don't know why a kid from the south side can't get to to DePaul safely yeah I don't know why he can't get on a train and go down there and and do so unencumbered that doesn't make any sense to me yeah you know yeah that's crazy.
0: Or so, that uh, one of my eleven-year-old, old um, 18 eighteen-year-old Hispanic students said that
1: mm-hmm.
0: a condition of her crossing a certain gang turf to get to school was that she had to give up her virginity. So nope. she dropped out of school. Yeah, she dropped out of school. My God.
1: See that? That's third world. You know. Oh, that this is this is this is un- unspeakable. Yeah. In the so, United States of America. I know. And, and and if you know it and I know it, then there's got to be people other than you, other than us that know it. And and why don't you just clean up the mess? Exactly. That, that's the part I don't understand. What What's going on there? And that gets into the whole way the city of Chicago has been running, which... You're right, exactly. You know, for decades. For decades. Oh, God. Well, for 46 years, actually, because as long as Mike Madigan's been in charge, you know, which it looks like may be coming to an end soon. Hmm. Right. Did he get indicted yesterday or something? Yeah, <laughs> that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. That guy can't get out. And what I love is watching the Democrats kind of eat each other. You know, and these guys have been kissing his ring forever, and now that he's he's down, it's like they're pouncing on him. So, you know, you brought up something um, that I'm starting to notice more and more and more. And we, it's politically incorrect to discuss it. And I'm starting to see the impact of a lot of what's going on is the absence of male leadership, like kind of this masculine leadership. And you mentioned it with, you know, so many kids on the south side grew up in fatherless homes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I I don't think it's in fashion to point to that. I don't think it's in fashion to to identify masculinity as being something that's contributory, you know. Mm-hmm. I think I just made up a word. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a <laughs> real one. word. It's a real word. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I, I felt a little like Harold Washington there for a moment, right? Um, but yeah, it, it's it's. Um, I, I think there's there's uh, something to be said for some, and, and you know, and I know you know, most of the time, if you stand up for some traditional male value, some traditional masculine expression you instantly get pummeled for being either a racist or a misogynist or a xenophobe or something, you know? Well, yeah, but and, yeah, but I think, I think we've got to find a way and, and a, it's going to have to start with us cleaning up some of the messes that are made by some of the tradition. Cause there's no doubt there's been, uh, errors made by men. And, you know, we, cause we put our attention on, on winning and we don't put our attention on the cleanup crew, you know? Um, and we don't do a lot of restoration. We just move forward and kind of pillage sometimes, you know. It's it's like when you do when you do construction, when you do concrete construction, mm-hmm. you gotta put in all these frames, right? So you tear up all this stuff, you put in all these frames, and you put in this nice concrete surface, either a walkway or a patio or a, a pavilion, like at Sox Park or something, you know, and it's all concrete and it's brushed surfaces and it improves the, the way people move. And it lasts and it's durable and it withstands weather and all this stuff. There's all this benefit to it, right? But what has to be done to make it truly work is when you pull the frames out, you've got to come back in and uh, restore the areas that were disturbed. Otherwise, it creates other hazards. Mm-hmm. And all too often as men, we, we always leave that part out. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we've got to start mm-hmm. looking at, yes, there's a lot of contribution we can make. But in doing so, we've got to be responsible for whatever marks we leave, yes, and yes. then restore those, you know. And I don't think as men we're trained too well in that, you know, right. And 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 the impact though of of this absence of masculinity and masculine leadership is we've got all these boys now that are growing up fatherless
0: well I, you know i I agree with you and I will push it even further to be even more politically incorrect
1: great uh, I love us when we're politically incorrect
0: because I will say this because I've you know i this is part of the research I did for my book we have overcome mm-hmm. is that 74 percent of African-american children are born out of wedlock now if those 74 percent were who are born out of wedlock were born to people like Madonna, who's worth $600 million. Yeah. If the 74% were born out of wedlock to middle-class women yeah. earning over $100,000, mm-hmm. well, that'd be fine, because fiscally yeah. that wouldn't be an issue. Right. But the 74% of African-American children born out of wedlock, of that 74%, over 60% of the 74% is indexed to poverty. Okay. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. So, so you've got- So when you do the math, about half the kids in in- the black community are born into poverty. That's right. Without fathers.
0: That's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem that
1: black lives matter should
0: be talking about. Mm -hmm. That's a problem that, and that's a problem that, you know, as someone who has privately just on my own, since I've become a professor mentored entered black kids, whether was when I was working at Southern Illinois university black kids on the south on the east from East St. Louis and also clan kids, who, who clouds clan kids from the cornfields of southern Illinois who were right. often fatherless kids. So I was mentioning two different demographics, um, you know, to address these issues um to both the communities, you know, fatherless mm-hmm. communities. Mm-hmm. It's something that has to be addressed. It's a relinquishing of responsibilities yeah. by men who go out and Sold, so their wild oats. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. um, it's embarrassing when when you look at the number of children that some of these men have. Up to nine, six with different mothers. Mm-hmm. This is a kind of pathology that is inherent in 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 in, in certain communities. Yeah, and people, ha- we have to talk about these things. Yeah, and it- we have to talk about it without sounding like we are. Well, I'm not going to sound like a racist mm-hmm. because I you know because I'm black. So and I, and, I'm, and I'm not betraying anyone. I'm just stating emphatically a truth that is causally pro- related to certain pathologies that express themselves in terms of crime. Yeah. The statistics show that a high you that black males who come from fatherless homes in conditions of poverty not fatherless homes in middle class situations where they have access to education and a strong family support, like access to grandparents Mm -hmm. and so on. But in fatherless homes where they don't have access or resources to a good education and a strong family unit are two times more likely to commit crimes than their white counterparts who are born into a two-family home. Those are just raw statistics that And facts that we can argue with them, but they're they're just so blatantly out there by nonpartisan groups and -hmm. different groups, academic groups.
1: Yeah, well, well, Jay, one of the things you're you're pointing to is really looking at the objective reality and and what what is causing the matter of what's going on. What are the things you can see, and then you can address and adjust to get a different result. You know, because as Einstein said, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result is insane right and and you know one of the things you're pointing to we're probably into the third or fourth generation now of young men growing up with no father figure and then them creating other young men and since there was no man to to shepherd them through mm-hmm. they don't think it's their responsibility it's not even in their purview mm-hmm. you know their mm-hmm. job their job is to drop the seed impregnate the woman high five their buddies and show what a man they are, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, there's kind of a, uh, a status with fathering a multitude of, of people, especially a multitude of sons, right?
0: Right.
1: So, I mean, it's kind of primal. But what we've got to do is we've got to actually point to the unworkability and, and tie, tie those behaviors to the result we're getting mm-hmm. and have conversations about that. But, you know, in this world of political correctness and everything's racist, it becomes that becomes a very dodgy line to engage in and so we don't have those conversations we don't have them
0: and let me tell you so as someone who's been in the academy for going on 25 years now i've had conversations with my my not at the paul per se but just like mm-hmm. in like at conferences in the academy sure. in general when i said my yeah. colleagues i don't mean at the paul who say you can't you cannot knocked down this is this is truthful I'm telling the truth here I've mm-hmm. had with colleagues mm-hmm. most of whom are on the radical left yeah this is what annoys me you cannot talk about gang members in a bad way because these are the only get this get this listeners get this mic. these are the only role models that black how insulting these are the only role models mm-hmm. that black men have to look up to. Feral thugs and criminals who go around shooting three-year-old babies, eight-year-old girls teaching their sisters how to do the TikTok dance, spring houses with bullets. These are the only role models that black men have to look up to. So you can't go around. This is the only semblance of family that they have. Well, you know, the great economist Thomas Sowell was asked a question by someone.
1: We can't use him anymore because he's racist, even though he's a black guy. Yeah, you know, he's racist.
0: <laughs> but he was asked about, you know, when, when talking about welfare reform, mm-hmm. he said, um, well, what's to replace it? And he said, um, well, when you take a cancer out of a body, you never think about replacing it with anything. It's a cancerous malignant tumor you take it. Yeah. Out. And that's the way I feel about gangs. Yeah. There's nothing to replace gangs with. You take out the tumor mm-hmm. and then you hold up a different model that mm-hmm. people can aspire, that they can pin their aspirational identities to. Yeah, but isn't yeah. this crazy, right? So you can't—it becomes almost imperialistic and 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 oppressive to, to not just stigmatize, but to talk about how problematic it is for black males to pin their aspirational identities on criminality.
1: You know, you know, Jay, that's as insane as saying some kid that's dealing with obesity cannot change his. Uh, his habits because his mom wakes up and they have donuts for breakfast, you know, and and that's all they know, you know, and, and it's wrong for us to interfere with them. And, and that's just insane. You know, donuts are not good breakfast. Have a have a healthy breakfast, have a healthy lifestyle. And you guess what will happen? You won't be obese. Same thing with the gangs. Quit quit doing crimes and you can transform your community. Quit shooting everybody. You know, know,
0: the way I feel about it is like, okay, I'm not a sociologist. Yeah. I, I don't, right now, I don't care right now about the sociological factors. Yeah. They are, th- they're, they're domestic terrorists. Mm-hmm. They are local and national. If you look at Baltimore, if you look at Detroit, if you look at LA, they are national security threats. Yeah. And they need to be removed. Yeah. After they're removed and that we take them out, Mm -hmm. then we can talk. We can now really have a real conversation about the infrastructures that need to be in place for communities to be rebuilt, right? And the social—what we call what I, as a as a the liberal part of me, would call the social goods Mm -hmm. that need to be in place. Good educational systems, right? If Mm -hmm. if right, so I'm I. If we have a system of social education of public education i don't think that you should type someone's zip code in and be able to tell the quality of education they're getting since we have a system of public education it should be amenable to all persons equally yeah but these gangs we need to remove them they're threats anybody who rapes an eight-year-old girl or who tells an 18 year old an eight-year-old girl or tells an 18 year old girl your virginity or your education he's a threat he needs to go yeah I don't, that, care, I don't care what sociological conditions reduced him to being that kind of threat. He needs to be removed from the streets. Yeah. I'm sick and tired of this wishy-washy kind of hand, agonistic hand-wringing. Oh, you know, we have to be delicate because of the social conditions that led these people into a life of
1: crime. Oh, oh, oh. Welcome back, everyone. This is Mike Sherrick. This is Jason Hill. This is Into the Gap. That little old Texas town called LaGrange. I love these guys, man. Yeah. This album, Trace Ombres, came out when I was actually living in LaGrange, so I thought it was really cool. So, hey, man, we're back. I, I just want to take responsibility for the clumsiness of exiting the break last time. I, I'm not in the studio, and I'm usually in the studio, and we've got this awesome producer team, and they always give me cues, and I can't get the cues here, or I'm not getting them very well. So, it's on me. Yeah. Well. So, but the absence of my professional. Uh, broadcasting ability or whatever. So let's look at the
0: hum- Let's just look at it humorously.
1: Absolutely, gag- they're putting a gag order. We're just being gagged. Just that's that's just, what it is. It's you know, it's a force compliance just, just, to the structure to the oppressive structure of the radio media complex. That's what it is. You know? <laughs> hey, you know what's going on? This maybe it's just like some what? What's that? What were you gonna say?
0: I Maybe they're that. just maybe they're fulfilling some kind of pseudo erotic desires by stuff you know instead of like stuffing rags on our throats they're they're gagging us by
1: by by the music you know what i mean that'd be awesome we should we should do a a show like in (laughs) in in like bdsm garb you know i'll wear my chaps (laughs) i've got i've got got leather i'm sure you do i'm sure you do (laughs) I do too, because I ride a motorcycle. We should do we should do a show in black leather. I'll wear my chaps and my leather jacket and I'll wear um, my harness. Just my oh, harness. Oh my god, don't do that. That's hilarious. All right. <laughs> this is this has gotten really weird really quick. Yeah, hey, you we always what, get weird, right? Yeah. We yeah, get yeah. a little weird. You know what's going on this week, man? It's really exciting for me. I, I didn't okay. realize how, how much I missed it until we've gotten so close. It's the baseball season's gonna start, and on Monday, NFL football camps are starting amid this yeah. COVID thing. And it's all kind of, everyone's freaked out. What's going to happen? Who's going to get sick? Who's not going to get sick? How they're going to deal with it. Um, it's. I'm just so happy at the idea of sport coming back. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it occurs like a victory to me. There's no doubt this, this uh, pandemic, this virus has altered the way we live. Mm-hmm. Um, what I am unclear on is the level of severity it Is I mean, clearly 120, 130-some thousand people have lost their lives to it. Um, yet, I wonder in that 130,000 people, was COVID the primary? Did they lose their life because of COVID? Or was there, did they get COVID while they were dealing with something else? You know, that's there seems to be games with the numbers. But the fact of the matter is, if there were 50,000 people that died from it, it's, it's still a serious, I, I'm not trying to dismiss the seriousness of it, especially if you get it, but I also am not sure it's something that should have shut down the economy and is ever present 24-7 for all of us. Too. I, I, I just don't know. There's so much we don't know about it, you know, and it seems like the more we go on, the less we know.
0: Well, one thing that's alarming to me, you know, as a teacher is that uh, in the three states, Arizona and florida and texas is that 50 percent of the serious cases of hospitalizations are coming from millennials with non-pre-existing conditions
1: yeah that that's that so I, unlike that I find it very,
0: yeah. that it's unlike it's unlike that it was before and it, it, it points to the mysterious strange mutative nature of this virus yeah. and i find that very alarming i mean you you just read reports and it's not just one or two cases of millennials under the age people under the age of 38, 35, um waking up in, going into comas, waking up paralyzed. Yeah. Um that I think is frightening. And it's yeah. and it's and it's really in just concentrated for now yeah. in those three states where where fifty percent uh in, in in Arizona, Texas and Florida um are of the hospitalizations in ICUs are um are under the age of 38 that's that's cause that's with no pre-existing conditions yeah um or some some have had but the vast majority are healthy athletic yeah um that gives me pause for concern
1: yeah i I just this this thing is the weirdest thing that's ever happened it doesn't seem the the further we go down it the it seems like the less the less we really know about it Mm
0: -hmm. you know
1: and it's just... Uh,
0: well, you have to remember that nine months ago, this virus did not exist in the body of a human being. Yeah. <sighs> you know, so, I mean, we're going to be mystified. We're going to be beguiled. We're going mm-hmm. to be... Um, we're going to just learn as we go along. And there are going to be mistakes made and misinformation mm-hmm. yeah. uh, communicated along the way. It's. Um, and I think with the vaccine, too, I mean, I for one, I can tell you, when that vaccine comes out, it ain't going into my body Mm-mm. right no. away. No. Um, and I say this as someone who is, I err on the side of not extreme caution, but mm-hmm. I'm not a fear-filled person, but mm-hmm. I don't want to get sick. So I, you know, I wear my mask mm-hmm. and I don't go out if I don't have to too often. I'm mm-hmm. reclusive by nature anyway. So yeah. I just love working in my office. Mm-hmm. But, um, But I'd be very... I, I, you know, I study the history of vaccines, and I see where people get messed up. Oh yeah, so I would want to see the
1: the side effects for a few months. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know the thing that I'm am taking away from this, Jay, and I, I I think there's some real gifts from this thing. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think it gives us a, a way to uh, kind of recalibrate our priorities, mm-hmm. to to relook and think at what's really important. You know, I'm up here in Wisconsin they've done a great job in managing this thing. And and part of it might be the culture of uh, the Wisconsin people as a, as a collective, they're kind of stoic, you know, they're not warm until you get to know them and then mm-hmm. they become very warm. Um, and, you know, I, I, they just came out with the unemployment numbers for, for June and their unemployment numbers are down to like 8.5%. Mm-hmm. You know, so they they've, they've, they've you know, and again, it's not nearly as populated. They don't have the big population centers. They've only got two two counties that were actually really impacted, Milwaukee County and, and uh, uh, Dane County, which is where Madison is, you know, which, with the big university, 70,000 people in the university, and, and Milwaukee is a big city, you know. And the rest of the state has been pretty much, um, I mean, they've had challenges, but it's been nothing like New York or Miami or Chicago or Detroit, you know. And it's just it's just kind of interesting to see how they've done it. And and what I've witnessed is there's just this um, this personal responsibility. You know, there's no there's no mask mandates and there's no social distancing mandates. And I went to a grocery store last night, you know, to to get some food to to cook for dinner. And um, I'd say fifty percent of people were wearing masks, and everybody was practicing. Some version of social distancing. Everyone was res- everyone was aware of the other other fellow human being, you know, mm-hmm. and, and 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 for lack of a better word, polite, you know, and respectful, and 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 kind of understanding this social contract that you've mentioned a number of times, you know, and I, I think that's at the core of what is going to be the output of this thing, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Well, I mean,
0: that's good for the people in Wisconsin. I don't see, I don't understand. Here's here's my dilemma. Yeah. Um, the government has mandated a lot of laws that are regulative and restrictive of freedom. Yeah. So seatbelt laws uh, are very, very paternalistic because actually seatbelt laws do not protect other people. They want to protect you. So yeah. the government is saying that you have to wear seatbelt laws because it prevents you from dying or severely, being severely injured. Um there, there are other laws that are mandated because they protect other people. And we comply with those laws. Mm-hmm. And we seem to have no problems. Even even the most extreme of libertarians seem mm-hmm. to say, okay, fine, that's a mandated law. I don't see why we I wear a seatbelt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I don't see why a mask, which is not very paternalistic, because the, the the premise behind the mask is not just only that it protects you. Mm-hmm. But that if you're asymptomatic, uh, which a lot of people are, which is another problematic thing about this virus, that up mm-hmm. to twenty-five to thirty-five percent of people who do have it are asymptomatic.
1: Yeah. That you
0: could contaminate your fellow so I could have it. I don't think I do because I tested negative for the antibodies, but um, I could have it now and not know it. Right. I went to the supermarket yesterday and my partner and I went to the restaurant and had an open-air dinner and so we could have contracted it. I don't know. So I'm wearing the mask to protect, not just myself, but to protect other people yeah. in whose proximity um, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, so why do we, why, why this sort of, what, what, what I don't understand is why this sort of politicization of mask wearing when we don't politicize other government
1: mandates um, that are even more restrictive of our freedom. I don't think it's about. I don't think it's about being restrictive of freedom. I don't think it's about ideology. I think it's bigger than that. I think we've gotten to a point where we're just untrusting. Um, we're untrusting of our of our fellow man. We're untrusting of those who don't see things our way. You know, we're untrusting of. Uh, you know, there's a huge part of the population that's untrusting of Donald Trump, and then that part of the population that's trusting of Donald Trump is untrusting of. The opposition side you know so we become very fragmented so to so like if if I trust you and you ask me to do something there's nothing I wouldn't do if I don't trust your intention of what's behind it I'm not going to listen to you and then we've got we've got politicians like you know Lori Lightfoot who's constantly preaching compliance without sharing the mentality behind it you know like she's some oracle from above, and and there's no buy-in from the people. I think is what's going on. There's not enough explanation. There's not enough education. There's not enough understanding, and they they're tired of it, and they don't trust. I think there's just a gap in trust with our government officials. We we see we guys like Michael Madigan, who's going to go down in the Hall of Fame of corruption. You know, you've got guys like Rahm Emanuel who has manipulated so much over time. There's just this question of trust, like what's really the intention? What's the what's driving these decisions? And the problem is when you've got a situation as serious as COVID and people are speaking to it and they have no credibility, they could be giving you gold and you're gonna you're gonna question if it's really gold or not. And I think that's at the core of it.
0: Well, I don't know. I, I think common sense has to kick in. When a bunch of people well, leave leave a British Airways flight and they take off from London and they end up they land in Qatar and a handful of them leave testing negative and they land positive leaving positive when you have a bunch of people are you know in a restaurant or a bar and a few days later they end up testing Positive, it seems to me that it would suggest to me, without even just as an intelligent person, that somehow this thing is airborne. And uh, the best way for me to protect myself is by wearing a damn mask. Jason Hill here, and I want to let you know that you're listening to the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio. Tune in live from fifty ninety a.m. and 95.9 FM, the Smart Talk app. Tune in or wcgoradio.com. The podcast is available from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Find it, rate it, and subscribe. If you'd like to get in touch about the show or inquire about sponsorship, opportunities, and rates, please reach out to my co-host, Mike, at MikeSchreck, at gmail.com.
1: Dallas Cowboy Hall of Fame coach Tom Landry once said, a coach is someone who has you see what you don't want to see and has you hear what you don't want to hear so you can always be the person you knew yourself to be. Hello, I'm Mike Sherrett, founder and president of the Mike Sherrick Group and Mike Sherrick Coaching. We are an executive coaching and leadership development organization with offices in Berwyn, Illinois and Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Successful organizations begin with the self-awareness and authenticity of its leaders. And in today's world, we are all leaders. If you or your organization has a big vision, or you know there's another level you can go to please give us a call at 630-643-6336. If you're one of the first three people who call us today, you will be eligible for a free IMX leadership assessment and debriefing, a $550 value, free to you and your organization. So give us a call at 630-643-6336 and take it on. Hey, we're back. This is Mike Sherrick. This is Jason Hill. This is Into the Gap. I um I think that's Creedence Clearwater doing it gonna stone you. That's interesting. So mm-hmm. anyway, man, how you doing? Go so, ahead. I just yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're gonna No, I that.
0: just wanted to let, let the listeners know that um I have a new podcast called Trigger I was just War- gonna I was just yeah. gonna
1: plug your podcast, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I have a new
0: podcast called Trigger Warnings. They can find it uh okay. trigger net and uh I'm discussing current events, um, uh-huh. existential, psychological themes that affect your life. Um, it's 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 things that are going to trigger you. You might not like everything I have to say, but you will think twice. Yeah. That's the premise. You will think twice about everything. It's um it's just three. The subscription is just three dollars fifty a month, or thirty six dollars a month. And with your subscription, you get um a bonus, a bonus episode, and you get the transcript of the typed transcript of the show
1: cool
0: and uh if you want to donate to the show you know I'm, i don't give up i'm not averse to getting um donations um but the subscription is quite low or it's 36 dollars per year
1: yeah
0: um and um how many so, people you got
1: subscribed so far
0: i haven't checked i haven't oh, checked because okay. we just launched it um, um actually just launched it yesterday
1: is it you by yourself
0: yes and uh as a bonus also we will i will um have guests via Zoom and where you mm-hmm. can have your own chat room with a guest and ask questions and type questions. Wow. I'll be interviewing guests from time to time. Um, book authors and and interesting people of our times. That'll be an added bonus also that you get Excellent. with the subscription. Yeah.
1: Excellent. Well good luck with that. Thank you. That's cool. What was your first topic?
0: I It was about Donald Trump. Uh-oh. And uh, and um, he's definitely triggering. He's tr- he's triggered me, and people might not like it, but they will learn a lot and they will think. Uh, so it's it's on. The, I won't I won't give it away. It it's a, it's going to be a shocker. <laughs> it's about Donald Trump, and it has the word lynching associated with Donald Trump. How's that for That's teaser? pretty that's pretty triggering, brother. So run over to trigger warning and check it out. There, there um, is
1: no no bigger trigger word I think right now than lynching you know the lynching
0: plus Donald Trump right
1: plus Donald warnings. Trump. yeah so yeah. um
0: yeah so I speak as an independent conservative yeah um yeah so um I won't give it away because if I give it away people are not going to be incentivized to go check
1: so it you're going to manipulate the population and you're gonna I like the word seduce sed- I'm, a
0: sed- <laughs> I'm a seducer I'm a consummate seducer I'm All not a man? manipul. I don't manipulate look at this Look at this Jamaican smile. Come on.
1: What is the difference between seduction and manipulation?
0: Seduction is when you entice the person to do what they really, really want to do, but you're just bringing it out of them. Manipulation is when you are coercing them to do something they actually don't want. A A good seducer makes someone do exactly what they deep down inside. You bring out the bad boy, the bad girl element in them all along. Got it. Got
1: it. Okay.
0: A seducer makes you own your shadow.
1: There you go. There you go. <laughs> that, which we talked, it's funny, we were having this conversation earlier, because we both are fans of uh, Carl Jung. And, uh, you know, in the work I do, a lot of times, you know, what I do is unveil, for lack of a better, I don't call it the shadow side, but the, the, the darkness in people, you know, and have yes. them own it. Because if they hide it, it's going to come out anyway. It's there all the time. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and, and it's, it's part of, you know, I think it's part of the pathway of of really engaging in one's authenticity. Mm -hmm. So I think you've got to own it and you've got to, it's, it's powerful. So I I love that description, um, seduction versus manipulation.
0: Yeah. And we were talking about this in terms of leadership, Mike, that, you know, and, and, and the fact that when you relinquish, I liked what you said, you know, we were talking about before the show, when you relinquish leadership within yourself, Mm -hmm. Then there are two things that occur. You look for a scapegoat because you 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 you're not owning your shadow, so you exactly. scapegoat other people, and then you look for a mess- messianic figure, whether it be a religious cult figure or a, a religious a messianic figure on the left or the right.
1: Yeah, a political figure. You know, a political figure. Yeah. Be it AOC or Donald Trump or whoever it is. You know.
0: Pinochet or Hitler or Fidel yeah. Castro. All
1: you know? it's all, all the same. Us. And, and enemy, what you know? what that does is it 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 re- removes my personal responsibility and then i can sit in judgment of everything but not get any on me you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think the key to living is to get as much on you as possible and to actually engage in life and take that responsibility because with great resp- you know with great freedom comes great responsibility yeah. and that, that's really i think where we're at right now so many people are playing victims to everything you know and you know, be, we got professional being offended by people out there. You know, yeah. and so what? Like, really, so what? So what if you're offended? I don't care if you're offended. I really don't. Yeah. I don't care if someone gets offended. Who cares? Right. You know. I mean, and, you have a demo, you have a democratic right to be offended. Yeah, go be offended. Go for it. You know. Yeah. But yeah. but I'm not going to change anything over here just because you're offended. You know. If you're offended, that's actually an opportunity for someone to look into and see what am I really offended by? What am I afraid of? What's that thing? What's that button that's being pushed? That's why I love the whole idea of trigger warnings. Whenever you're triggered, it gives you a great opportunity to really inquire into a blind spot in you. Why am I so triggered by this? Mm -hmm. Why does this freak me out? Why does hearing the word lynching and Donald Trump together freak me out? Right. (laughs) What am what am I not being honest about? That I am a secret, like secret lover of lynching. You know, I mean, I, I, just for myself. I, if you want to get me to watch television, put something on about Hitler. Right? right. I'm fascinated by the guy. You know, yeah, yeah, because he's a lunatic. Yeah, and, and what fascinated me about him is how he got an entire nation to follow him. Mm-hmm. And you can't understand it until you spend time in Germany. Yes. He was the perfect leader in the perfect place at the perfect time, you know, Yes. because German people love order and they love to fall in line and they love things to work and they love the trains to run on time and they love things to, you know, to operate predictably, you know, and if it requires a little genocide to get that done, uh, so be it.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah. (laughs) yeah, yeah. Ah, but
0: so, that's, that's but that's yeah. not, and we could. Be, I mean, there. I mean, I do think Americans are exceptional in many ways, but in the absence of certain conditions, we could fall very much into that trap. You know, I, I'm really concerned about that,
1: Jason. Especially, you know, one of the things I'm seeing that I'm concerned about, like with the COVID, right? That we will fall into the trap of complying because of this fear of the disease, or on the flip side of control by the government right Mm -hmm. there's both sides of it that are equally nuts Mm -hmm. so i'm going to walk around and not wear a mask and carry the disease everywhere or i'm going to just want to shut everything down until we get a vaccine they're both insane yeah but anyway that's where we're at i think we got to be getting close to the end i'm not sure
0: i think we have like two
1: minutes left we got two minutes left good what else
0: well i just i want to know how what so what are you doing to keep that vitality alive inside of you
1: mean like i'll tell you what it's been tough for for the last couple of weeks yeah. you know I, I i do what i do i read incessantly i got like five books i'm reading um you know i i spend a lot of time in nature i ride my motorcycle i work a lot mm-hmm. um i uh i'm always active yeah i'm engaged i don't let things stop me i'm out a lot and i wear a mask everywhere i go every time i go outside i wear a mask uh, every time I go into a place, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing. I, and I'm, I, I'm really looking really, really looking forward to baseball this week and football. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. really, I can't believe I'm such a sports geek, you know, but you know, the, the fact of the matter is with throughout this whole thing, my life has not been impacted that, that badly. Right. You know? right. I like you, I'm a little bit, reclusive I'm a little bit of an introvert when I'm not working
0: yeah
1: um you know and it's been good because it's been summer because you can go outside yeah you know? so yeah I'm doing fine I'm, I'm yeah I'm loving you know I I, I just I, I'm really looking forward I, I I just the thing that's bothering me is just people seem so angry and so apart but anyway sounds like sounds like we're done